0: Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include. Random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety. The entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bills Mafia, Vince Taylor. Is this really the best use of your time? All
1: right, Bills Mafia, how are you doing, you beautiful bunch of maniacs? Thank you so much. For choosing to spend your Monday with me, you're listening to Vince Taylor. This is Buffalo on the Brain. Hope you are listening to me on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, where you can get new content every single day. I'm very excited about this week's Mafia Hot Seat, as I was very blessed to have fan favorite and Bill's Mafia Spirit Animal. Brother Bill, join us for a few minutes, as well as one half of Nap Knows Buffalo, Kyle Knapp, will be joining me as well. Uh, Always a pleasure to speak with him. I'm a a big fan of his work over there. And last, but certainly not least, Anthony Marino, over from Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. Every single person on the Rumblings network is A-plus from top to bottom. That roster is completely stacked. Not only are they super talented people, but I... I just get the feeling that they're really good people as well. So it was a pleasure uh, and kind of an honor to get to spend some time with him on his show as well as have him on mine. So uh, thank you so much. I'm very blessed uh, for anyone to spend some time on the Mafia Hot Seat. But before we get there, let's go ahead and get started to a few items that I kind of wanted to riff on. I think most importantly for this year, this week, we had learned... I. I had, I guess that Sal Capaccio was the guy who picked this up, but Ken Dorsey actually picked up a little bit of extra responsibilities. Um, He is now sharing some responsibilities as the passing game coordinator, probably working a little bit closer with Brian Dable. I think this is a smart move. I think if you look at the landscape from last year, there was some interest in Brian Dable. Now I was very vocal and I was on the record that I didn't think. I think there was a lot of risk in hiring Brian Dable as a head coach last year. He really only had one superb year of an offensive coordinator under his belt. That's because he had Josh Allen, but not the fault of him there because he deserves credit for that. Um, he did do a good job in helping. Grow Josh Allen, so he deserves a lot of credit for that as well. But last year, I just kind of felt like if I were Brian Dable, I wouldn't just take a position because it's a head coaching job. I wouldn't. I would want to be more selective. And I thought that, you know, another year like he had last year, he's probably going to get bumped up even a little bit further uh, on the list of, I guess, approachable and attractive possible head coaches. And, you know, taking a a job like Texans, you know, taking the Texans job, I think you're setting yourself up to get fired. I think whoever took that job, actually, David Coley took that job. But I remember saying at the time, whoever took that job was just a placeholder. There's no way they're going to dig themselves out of a hole this quickly. And I, I just don't see that person having enough clout, David Coley in this case, having enough clout. Um, he's just, he's there as a placeholder. He's grabbing a little bit of head coaching experience, and he's probably thinking that he's going to get another shot someday. Um, but I didn't think that was an attractive job. I uh, always feel like, and I think there's maybe two schools of thought here, right? There's only 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL. So when's a, when one is available, maybe you should take it while the getting is good, so to speak. Um, but my thought is, i I want to take a head coaching job where I can at least envision myself having some success relatively quickly. I I wouldn't be interested in building one up from the ground because I think that could hurt your brand. I think that could hurt your reputation more than it could help you. And that doesn't have to be right. I don't think that's right necessarily all the time. You know, Bill Belichick was a failure uh, a couple of times before he got Tom Brady and became the greatest head coach of all time. So that's not an airtight argument, but I, I do think there's a lot of Uh, value to thinking that way so this year if Brian Dable were to have the same year that he did last year on the offensive side of the football like I said he's way more attractive and that means he could maybe pick and choose his destination a little bit more now we know he interviewed he interviewed for a few few jobs including San Diego which we thought he was going to get there for a minute and that would have been a a fine job Uh, but me as an owner as well I would have wanted to see a little bit more from Brian Dable before offering him a head coaching job. Now, that's just me. I've been accused of maybe being sometimes too conservative in my thinking, and I think that could be true sometimes, but um, I I don't think that I would want to trust Brian Dable to my franchise at that point. Now, he comes out and has another year. I I may be a little bit more open to it. Uh, What does that mean for us? That means that what we all believe is that Ken Dorsey could be the possible replacement for Brian Dable. I think there's a lot of value there. They work together closely. Uh, Ken Dorsey is a former quarterback, former quarterbacks coach. It does not bother me very much that he has not called plays. Everybody's calls plays at some point in their career. And it matters less to me if you're an offensive quarterback or an offensive coach Quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator, you know, he's if he succeeds Brian Dable in that position, I think we're going to be okay. I'm not super worried about it. I also think it's likely that Ken Dorsey could end up going with Brian Dable as well. Um, So it's too early to say, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen, but I I think that could happen. I I, I think that's a possibility in that case. Now, I don't really know who we'd want to have as offensive coordinator. I guess I haven't given it that much thought, but if Brian Dable left, having Ken Dorsey step in wouldn't be the worst thing. You know, he has been around the offense. He's been around Josh Allen. He is an offensive player. So if we do not make Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, he's probably going to get a call from somewhere. Like I said, it could be Brian Dable, but last year he actually had a couple of interviews as well. So, um, Maybe you don't want to lose them. Maybe you decide to give them a chance. Uh, you know, I, I think there's probably worse plans out there. And uh, I, I think that's good news for us. So congratulations to Sal for picking up on that. If it wasn't announced by the bills, I didn't see it. I heard that Sal had picked up it on that from the website. You know, something else I wanted to talk about. It's one of my questions that I have written down for the mafia hot seat and it never gets shaken. So, but I want to talk about it anyway. Um, I want to talk about the defense for just a moment. Now, I think it's pretty obvious the reason why we lost to the Chiefs last year, twice, and especially bad in the AFC Championship. It wasn't necessarily offense. You know, we were able to put up some good points, even if we had to grind and kind of labor more to get them than the Chiefs did. But uh, we went out, we drafted uh, two defensive ends real early. F.A. Obata signed over from Carolina. I want to talk about Gregory Rousseau for just a moment. I think we need to temper a little of the expectations. I think that there's a lot of people that think he was a first round pick and he's going to come in and he's super athletic and he's going to do well. I, I have a little bit of pause for that thinking and I don't mind the pick. I'm not hating on it. Like maybe it's not the pick that I would have made, but I don't hate it. They took a shot on an athletic person. I've said that uh, many times in the past, but um, as Maybe some of us know. Maybe some of us don't. A lot of his sacks came from the interior offensive, uh, the interior defensive line, running stunts and that kind of thing. And I'm of the belief that getting sacks from the defensive tackle position is a little harder. And maybe if you're running stunts, it's not, you know, quite a true indicator. Sometimes you can just get uh, open and kind of run by. Um, But I I don't think those kind of sacks are necessarily as impressive. Or I don't think they're apples to apples comparison to lining up on the outside and beating a tackle for the sack. Not saying that he can't do it because Russo does have some of those sacks. Um, Maybe without the interior defensive line sacks, he doesn't get picked as high. But where are we actually going to play him? Is he ever going to get time in in the interior? I mean, are you taking Ed Oliver out of his spot? I don't think so. I'm looking for this preseason. What I really want to see is Rousseau lined up on the edge, taking on a offensive tackle. That's the battle that I want to see, because that's going to help me form my opinion on whether we like this pick or not. Um, he's very raw. He's got a long ways to go. I would like to see that somewhat consistently. Now, if Rousseau can go out and, and get a couple sacks against an offensive tackle. I don't even care if it's a third-string tackle, but I want to see that. That's what I'm looking for from him. Um, on the other side, we have, of course, Eponenza. And I'm, I'm very positive about what I feel from him. I, I, he didn't get a lot of snaps last year because he was playing behind Mario Addison. I've said on this show before that I think Mario Addison is a trade or a cut candidate based on we signed that contract before we went to the draft uh i know justice had that thought not that long ago and he got blown up on twitter for it but i mean i I think that idea is actually gaining some traction because we already have jerry hughes he's a leader in the room um we want to get boogie some some reps right so let's suppose he looks good in, in a couple of preseason games we're going to want to play him more. And Addison is, as much as we were hoping he was going to be that guy here in Buffalo, he wasn't that guy. And he's on the downside of his career. Um, I, I do think he's a, a cut candidate. We have Effie O'Bada over there, who all of us are very high on because he got five and a half sacks and just 30%, actually 29%, I think, of, of the snaps last year in Carolina. I think we need to temper expectations with him, too. He's not a rookie. This is be his fourth year in the league. Yes, I like his upside, and I'm intrigued for sure, but I've not done my roster projection yet. Um, I want to wait and see how I feel about Effie after I see some of his stats, and uh, I think we need maybe need to temper expectations with him just a little bit as well. That defensive line is very much going to be a numbers game. There's going to be some movement there, and it's going to hurt. Some fan favorites are not going to make it on the final roster. And right now, my eyes are squarely on Obata and also Addison, but possibly Vernon Butler. Now, um, I think a lot of people believe that Star coming back is the key to this defense. And that could be true. It feels a little simple. I like that he's in shape. He looks lighter. He doesn't really feel like a true one tank anchor type. Um, he doesn't look that way to me, but maybe I'm wrong. But uh, I I feel like something sparked in him. He didn't play last year, as we all know, and the Bills went on this magnificent thirteen and three run, and they made all of our well almost all of our dreams come true. But they made us feel so much better and look at the team so much differently. And I think that was infectious, and I think that got to him. So it could be that he comes back. But for me, I think the key to the defense improving this year is going to rest uh, squarely on the shoulders. Of two players now star is he's uh he's not the star latule that he was when he's in carolina he is on the back side of his career and i'm not looking for him to be anything more than solid um in fact i've said i think that a guy like trayvon hester is kind of a dark horse to make the roster because he can be that true one tech anchor that we don't really have i guess I mean, i guess we have harrison Phillips. Um, if we want to count on him, but somebody that can be that one tech anchor. The two players that are key in my mind to this defense playing better this year is Ed Oliver playing alongside Starr and getting his natural role and seeing if he can push the pocket from that direction. He did it last year at times from the one tech spot. So it gives me a little hope that you know, he can be that top play, top 10 player that we drafted and he can reach that status where we thought we were getting when we picked him because we all thought it was amazing that he fell to us. And uh, he, he could still develop into that player. And this year, this year is important for Ed and I, I think he's going to step up to the plate. Now, the other person I think is going to be important to this defense is A.J. Epineza on the other side. I think there's a... Better of an average chance he ends up being the starter over there, depending on what happens with Mario Addison. And he was coming along at the end of last year. Now remember, Epinenza was a second round pick. He wasn't really a speed guy. He was kind of a muscle guy. We kind of played with his weight during the season. He didn't have a preseason, you know. During the year, we're actually asking him to to modify his weight and drop weight, and I think that's a lot. That's a lot for a rookie. But he was coming on at the end of the year. So that's my hope. That's my hope for this team's defense right now. Ed Oliver becoming the Ed Oliver that we want him to be. And Epineza becoming, uh, I don't even think Epineza is going to be a star, but I feel like he could be more of that Mario Addison type from three, four years ago. Um, Those two players to me, that's the key to everything. Star's back. Tremaine Edmonds is there. We can stop with the excuses of not having star up front. Um, we need Tremaine to be Tremaine. And to me, and this is my personal opinion, and I know that he's a controversial topic, but Tremaine this year is, I mean, this is it. He's going to want a contract. And uh, if he's going to earn that top tier money, he's going to get paid like a first round pick. We'll probably give it to him anyway, but I don't know that I'll be happy about it. But if, if he is not getting caught up on blockers, and he's making plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and he's making game-changing plays. It's not—I've—I've I've not seen a lot of that from him. Now I've always—I've given him a lot of credit for being a good pass defender, and I might be wrong about that. But I'll tell you what—he's good at. He is a good sideline-to-sideline side defender. Uh, he can chase you down from the middle linebacker spot to either part, any part of the field, um, and he's—he can clean up some things. So he's got good range. Maybe his instincts are not always spot on, but uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling very positive that this defense can take a step forward. forward. I feel like if this defense is anywhere in the top half of the league, and maybe we can get inside the top 10 passing defense, we maybe have Kansas City think about us at least a little differently. I'm not really quite ready to say that we're ready to take on Kansas City, but um, the defense certainly stepping up would go a long way and making me feel better about that. But just to sum that up, I think the two most important pieces are going to be Ed Oliver and A.J. Epineza. And yes, I mentioned uh, Tremaine there. Um, that'd be great. I, I don't think that I'm holding my breath on that one, but it'd be wonderful if he could blossom into a first-round linebacker, that a game-wrecking, game-changing linebacker that I think we'd all like to see um, instead of just always pointing to his youth, right there comes a time where you have to stop pointing to his youth. He has to start producing and this is going to be his fourth year to the league and we can talk about how um, you know he's he's younger than some of the guys that were drafted this year. That's fantastic. I don't really care. It just means I'm gonna to have to give you a contract sooner. Start showing me that you are worth top money and I'll start thinking about you <laughs> differently. Um, obviously, it is not up to me. It's up to Brandon Bean. He's much smarter than I am, but uh, and I'm just a dumb podcaster, so what the hell did I know? But uh, that's my feelings. We're going to go ahead and take a short break, and when I come back, I asked a question out on Twitter and some of my built-in Buffalo brothers, and they got some interesting responses, so I'll share those with you in just a moment. <music>
2: Hi, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode on the Built-In Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew. And I'm Justin. And we're the hosts of the Wandering Buffalo podcast. We like to consider ourselves average Joes by day, non-professional Buffalo Bills podcasters by night. Andrew and I live and breathe Buffalo Bills football and are here to give you our insights. So this includes year-round content covering the free agency, the draft, training camp, and much more. It's so easy to digest. It's like having a beer with the boys. Hot takes, gut feelings, and whatever other places we might end up. Tune into the Wandering Buffalo podcast for content year round because in football there is no off season and you can find us anywhere on the internet by searching The Wandering Buffalo podcast. Go, Go Bills. Bills.
0: your attention, please. Excuse me, everybody, I have an announcement. Hey, shut up!
1: Thank you. I just want to let you all know that Built in Buffalo has new Buffalo Bills content every single day of the week. Yes, seven days a week. Does anybody have any questions? You, in the back. No, I'm sorry. I don't work here. You'll have to ask the waitress. Anybody else? Questions about built-in Buffalo, seven days a week, Buffalo Bills content. Hey, pay your bill and get the hell out of here. And pick up your pants. I see a crack. All right. I'm leaving. Built-in Buffalo, seven days a week, Buffalo Bills content. Bye. All right, Bills Mafia, last and final segment before we get to this week's very rich and very packed Mafia hot seat that I'm so excited about. Um, I asked a question to my built-in Buffalo brothers, as well as out there on Twitter. And the question was, if you could change one rule in the NFL, what would you change? I got some interesting responses. Uh, First of all, somebody mentioned no kickoffs. After a score to start a half, teams begin with 4th and 20 from their 35, eliminates the less safe kickoff play, increases opportunities for on-size plays and comebacks. Um, I don't know. And this is Pete Nana, uh, at Pete underscore Nana. I, I understand the safety concern, and that's probably what's going to end up happening in the future, but I'm... I like to hold on to old school football sometimes, and I prefer the, the long kickoff returns, and I, I'd like to see them um, maybe bring the kickoff distance back to where it used to be, as well as put the kickoff, the touchback back to the 20-yard line instead of a 25. So there's almost no real motivation for somebody to bring it out right the way it is now. Um, so I don't know. You, you might be right. We're, we're sort of getting the worst of both worlds. I think with the way it is right now. And I, I see your point. I, I, I think that I might go the other way, but I definitely see your point. Uh, Justin Goddard, one half of the wandering Buffalo here on the built in Buffalo network. Um, uh, I love these guys. If you've not listened to them, you should go over there and check them out. They come out on Thursdays. Goddard says no automatic first downs, whatever the yards for the penalty is the penalty. For example, if it's 3rd 22 and there's a 15-yard flag, they just get a 15-yard flag and not a first down. Um, I, I, I'm against that, and I love Justin, and I hate to disagree, but I, I'm against that because I think that would be unbalanced. I think that an offensive play can be erased by a holding. It could be a long touchdown or a long run, and a, a 10-yard penalty on holding can kill a drive. And I think the penalty needs to be very similar for defensive mistakes too. Um, So I I don't know. I I don't think I can get behind that one as much as I love my guy, Justin. We're going to disagree there. Uh, JPC says, says PI should be 15 yards like college. That's almost essentially the same thing. Um, I think that I I know that I've seen a handful of times in my life where there's a, a passing touchdown and it's a, just a clear touchdown, and they just the defender is beat, and he knows it, so he just grabs the receiver and, and is willing to take that penalty rather than give up the touchdown. And I feel like that kind of mindset will come into it: is I got beat, I'm gonna grab this receiver. I'd rather have the 15-yard penalty, and I feel like that would be even more. Uh, right now, I feel like that is less when maybe there's not a touchdown. Uh, or it's not an obvious touchdown, we're, we're, we're less likely to see it. But if the penalty is a lot less, I think we'll see that go uptake. So I'm, I on the surface, like I like the way it sounds. But I think if I, upon further review, I don't think I can get there. Um, believers talk: if a team has over 100 yards and penalties, they lose six points. Ah, oh, believers, I don't like that one at all. I don't ever like taking points off the board, but I, I. I understand your thinking you want to discourage penalties and get people to play cleaner. And I, I like that philosophy. I'm not sure this is the way to do it. I think taking away points off the board is not somewhere I'd like to go, but um, maybe that there's something to that. Maybe if you could massage a little bit, but you know, it's, um, it's a very subjective game sometimes being called by the referees. And that puts a lot of, a lot of extra stress on them when you're talking about that. So I I, I like your thought, but I don't know that I could get there either. Uh, Buffalo underscore Smitty, Buffalo Smitty been following me for a long time. I like to bring kickbacks, having meaning me too, sir. Me too. That's why I say, put the kick, the kickoff back to where it used to be and uh, make the touchback brought to the 20. So I, I, I like that one a lot. Ranting Ron says Klopp stops after running out of bounds and restarts at snap like the good old days. Um, I don't know. I don't have, I guess I don't have a hard feeling or I don't have a real defined opinion on that. Uh, it's not something that bothers me, so I don't think that I would change it, but I think that if it were changed, I, I probably wouldn't mind it as much. Um, I don't have a strong opinion there for you, Ranting Ron. Sorry about that. DM3 says when an offsides happened, the play should automatically be blown dead. I don't think that one's very popular. I'm sorry, Dave. Uh, but Dave's thinking is uh, the defensive players are already kind of uh, maybe relaxing a little bit when they see that it's that, and it, maybe he thinks it's too much of an advantage for the offense. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't like the idea of changing that. I, I think that that's if if players are relaxing on a on an offsides penalty that's on the coaching staff and that's on the player. So I I don't know that I wouldn't, I don't know that I would change that one too much. Uh, Charlie says, instead of pass interference being a spot foul, make it 15 yards to automatic first down. He doesn't like the idea that 80 yard penalties should exist. I I disagree with that one. Um, I think that it would, it would create more penalties. If I'm, I'm beat down the field, I'm going to grab that receiver. And instead of having the ball marked at where I have the foul, I'm going to give it only as a 15 yard penalty. Uh, even if it's a 60 yard pass, I I just, I don't, I don't like that. I think it would be abused. Uh, so I, I can't, I can't get behind that one. My, my injustice thinks that, uh, offensive players with the ball should have hands to the face penalty removed. Um, I don't, I don't hate that. We've seen some silly calls, but, uh, I don't know that that would change the rule a lot. I know we're talking about safety here and, uh, you know, I, I think the offensive players should be able to defend themselves a little bit. So I, I understand where he's coming from. I don't know that I would change that, but I, I like the idea. Uh, A-Rich says, I would be in favor of changing the P.I. call to 15 yards. Um, Dave also comes back and says, spinning the ball at someone's feet should not be a penalty. Why? Because it's amazing. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> I, I, that was a silly call on Josh Allen. And I, I, I for some of the stuff that, you know, Tom Brady's got away with over the years of these silly receivers. And you know, that felt ticky tack to me. Uh, and I don't think that if Josh does that, I don't know, five times out of 10, he's probably not going to get called for it. I don't think he's going to get called for it all the time, but it's pretty ticky tack. So I, I agree with him there. A Rich thinks that uh, the, the game is geared too much towards the offense and not enough to the defense, can't hit the QB late or really at all. Can't touch his head. Can't fall on him. Can't look at him sideways, uh, and you get a penalty. I agree with him there. Can't hit the QB low. Can't hit a defensive wide receiver. Can't touch after five yards. The simultaneous catch rule uh, would go to the offense. Well, I, I think we saw that last year. We can get some interceptions that go the other way. Um, give the defense something. He says, I actually agree with that. So here would be my counterpoint. I would like to to go back to maybe. 80s and 90s type football where the defensive players can redirect receivers. There's hand checking, right? So once the ball is in the air, they can't touch you. But before the ball is thrown and I'm trying to go over the middle and uh, maybe that safety comes over and he's hand checking me and he's pushing me back to the outside. I would allow something like that. That would be my compromise. Caveman, who this entire question was inspired by Caveman actually, but um, he just thinks that Uh, The quarterbacks are way too protected. And he says it's not necessarily one rule, but there's too many of them. And I agree with that. You know, the NFL, quote, takes safety seriously. They they don't. But they they don't want to lose money when a Tom Brady or a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes go down. So they they ultra protect the quarterbacks. And so Caveman's point is, you know, he has seen Mahomes... Pretend to run out of bounds, but not run out of bounds and get an extra two yards. Well, you're not allowed to hit him if he's out of bounds, so you pull up a little bit. And he's got a point there, but I don't know how to take that out of the game. I I don't know what to do about that. Uh, Charlie says, eliminate the extra point. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Uh, sorry, Charlie. But um, I, I'm, I would like to go back. Another good rule that I would propose uh, would be going back to making it like a I, I don't know, it was like a 17-yard 19-yard extra point attempt, and they still get the option of a two-pointer. I hate the fact that extra points, you know, 30-whatever yards it is, decide the games. When you score a touchdown, and you do all that work to get the six points, and you can lose a game based on that, I think that's ridiculous. I hate that it decides games. Now, I know it's a gimme. I know it seems silly, but I think the penalty for missing those gimmies outweighs the penalty for missing a long kick so i I would go i would bring the extra point back to where it used to be um yeah there's never really been injuries on those plays a lot and uh you know they are gimmies and they're sometimes silly but you know they're like 98 percent success rate kicking it from that distance and uh those two percent should be the ones that get penalized by losing the point and changing the dynamic. Maybe I got to go for two next time. I like that much better than missing like a 33-yard field goal. I don't like that at all. Cape Man says ties should not exist. He's absolutely right. I think that uh, maybe another good rule would be taking the college overtime rules and implementing into the NFL. That makes so much more sense to me. I love the college overtime rules. I think it's more fun. It forces you to go for it. You know, you still get the option of a a field goal, but um, there's a little bit more pressure, you know, keeping up with the Joneses there. And the, the college, that's what college gets right. College overtime rules are way better. Okay, so that's it. That's all I have for you going into this Mafia Hot Seat Edition. As I said, I was very blessed to get these three people to spend some time with me. First, we have everybody's favorite Bill's Mafia spirit animal, Brother Bill. Uh, he's just so fun, and he's so creative, and uh, I, I'm, I'm so jealous of people that have uh, that kind of talent, and he's just so cool. <laughs> so um, happy to spend a few minutes with Brother Bill. Also, we have Kyle Knapps over from... Nap knows Buffalo on the Buffalo Fanatics Network. I enjoy his work. I, I actually really like him and Casey together as well, but uh, I just enjoy Kyle's personality. Uh, I don't always agree with what Kyle says, and I think sometimes he gets annoyed with fan Twitter, but I am a big fan. I listen to his show and podcast form every week. I catch it on Fridays. And last but not least, we have Anthony Marino, a member of the A-plus stack team over there at Buffalo Rumblings. Uh, Anthony Marino is just such a fun cool guy like he's just everybody over there is real cool but anthony has always been super good to me and i i always enjoy his little uh breaking buffalo rumblings where he he wants to come in and talk about the hot news um uh, it's it's just you know I, I like people who i like and i'm a big fan of anthony so i was happy to get all of these guys i'm very blessed i hope you enjoy this mafia hot seat edition
0: vince taylor and buffalo on the brain proudly bring to you the mafia hot seat built-in buffalo production
3: when it's too tough for them
1: it's just right for us be ready it might be chilly bill's mafia first up in the mafia hot seat this week we have fan favorite and Bill's mafia spirit animal, brother Bill. Brother Bill, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's new out there in Rochester?
2: Nothing much. Just enjoying the summer. Um, trying to get by like some water or some friends' pools and crack open some Labatt grapefruits and just enjoy the the nice weather.
1: And some Pepsis.
2: And some Pepsis, of course. <laughs>
1: All right, so I also, I want to take credit for giving you the nickname, the Bill's Mafia Spirit Animal. I want credit for that.
2: Hey, Uh, you are the first one I remember doing it, so. All
1: right, so you know the gig. I have 10 questions in front of me. You just pick a number between one and 10, and I read you the corresponding question, and we go from there. Cool. Which one would you like?
2: Let's go, let's go
1: five. Outside the box. Nobody ever picks five. Okay. I had this one last week, but I like this question because there's a lot of really good answers, but, and during the drought, there was a lot of fan favorite bills. And, uh, you know, I, I think people have different answers depending on what you look for in a player, but who was your favorite drought air bill?
2: That's tough. Um, I have, like, four in mind that were, like, my guys. So I was a huge – I was a huge Terrence McGee guy. I think that's got to be – I think he's one of the unsung, like, drought heroes. Like, people forget how awesome he was and how long he was here and and stuck through everything. Um, And the kick returns. Yeah, like electric. I was a big (laughs) Roscoe pair. (laughs) Sorry about this. I was a big uh Roscoe Parish guy and I was a big Angelo Cor- Crowell guy Loki oh yeah okay I loved him I'm gonna have to say my favorite drought player like obscure drought player would be Roscoe Parish. I think like like you have like the Kyle Williams and like the the big name guys who and um and and made it work here but <laughs> but roscoe Parrish is probably my favorite like if you look at just like the drought like people who like were here for a while but never stuck it out and made it to the playoffs i think roscoe Parrish is my guy
1: yeah i like roscoe too he was a pretty good uh kick and punt returner if i remember and i he was one of those guys i felt like when we drafted him he was sort of a letdown and i don't know that it was all his fault yeah because he was
2: like a second round draft pick like early second round
1: yeah, but and he, I just, I agree I, with you.
2: I remember like when Chan Gailey came in and, and ran the spread offense, I was like really excited for Roscoe and then he got hurt like back to back seasons and that was kind of the end of him. But I agree. Like you always were waiting for like that put in the right system. You could have been like a Wes Welker type.
1: Yep. Running that slot player. He, he would have been good. I was at a game one time and uh, I was, I was sitting pretty close and uh, he was out there warming up. And so I, he came over and said hi to me, which is pretty cool. Well, he just kind of waved at me and we made eye contact and I kind of nodded. I was like, "That's awesome. oh, Roscoe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I liked Roscoe too. He was one of my favorites. Uh, I always tell everybody Lee Evans is my, was my guy. Lee
2: Evans was awesome too.
1: Yeah. He was, uh, you know, quite of a, not out there, always looking for attention, just kind of came to work at his thing. Yeah. And just like Roscoe, like I feel like if he had been on a real, offense somewhere else in the league he probably would have been a household name oh yeah
2: he was i think that first his rookie year was like an insane year and then there's just a qb carousel ever since then And he never feel bad for him because he was here for a while and was a really good dude and a really good player
1: Yeah. yeah yep kind of a quiet leader um i know last week uh caveman took Fred Jackson, who's always a good one too. Yeah. He's awesome Kyle too. Williams. I mean, this Aaron Schobel, like so many just good bills. And if you feel bad because it's like they gave all of their heart and soul to the team and they, we never got a playoff for them and well, actually, I no. never got it, but yeah, that's, that's too bad. Okay. Well, brother Bill, I appreciate you taking a few minutes for me today. Uh, yeah, do you have anything okay. else for me? No, man. Thanks for having me again.
2: Um, it's always a pleasure and uh thanks for donning my my spirit
1: animal name i, I will always appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> sure man no problem uh looking forward to the videos this year so yes um, if you're listening to buffalo in the brain you have you already know who brother bill is he's the legend thank you so much brother bill enjoy the rest of your night you too thanks bye All right, Bill's Mafia. I'm very blessed to have my next guest here in the Mafia hot seat. He is one half. Actually, the I don't want to say better half because Casey might hear it. <laughs> but you, one you half. You can say from, better half. You can <laughs> say better half. One half of the napnos Buffalo show over on the Buffalo Fanatics channel. Kyle Knapps. Kyle, how you doing today?
3: I I'm doing great. I'm honored to be a part of this. Uh, I think one of the more creative things that Bill's content creators have done this off season is your hot seat that you do, where you kind of put random questions out there and put people on the spot. So I I love that you're doing this. um, And I'm excited to see what my question is going to end up being.
1: Man, you're giving me way too much credit. I don't know. You got all this pressure on me now. I'm afraid I can't I can't I can't perform.
3: It's not it's not pressure, it's just credit. <laughs> I just I give credit where credit's due. If you have a really good idea, I like to let people know it's a good idea because sometimes good ideas don't come around all that often, but you got yourself a good one and you're running with it. I love that.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. All right. So you remember from last time I have 10 questions in front of me, and you can mm-hmm. have any question you like, except number five. So which one one would you like? I'll go number one. Nobody ever takes one. Okay. So I like this one because uh, depending on who you talk to, I think there's some different perspective on this, but Kyle Knapps, the Bills run game last year was not that great. There are a lot of people that want to put some blame on the running uh, running backs. Mm -hmm. There are people who want to put blame on the offensive line. Um, doesn't appear much has change going into this year, but your confidence in the run game for 2021, one to 10, where do you land?
3: Oh, that, so I think this is interesting because there's a lot of different factors in it with like last year, it really didn't go all that well. But if you look at, um, the, the yards per carry after contact for both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss it's actually not that bad. If you look at the, I think average broken tackles per carry or something, one of those stats, that's also like they do pretty well in that stat. So I think it's going to come down to how consistent the offensive line actually is. And last year we know there was a lot of rotating pieces with injuries. As much as we thought it was going to be a consistent rotation, it really wasn't um, because there's and Cody Ford moved around and then we had a, a couple of other issues on the line. So I want to see whoever ends up sticking at that left guard spot. I think that's going to be almost a key to the offensive line and how it ends up working out. If Cody Ford ends up being the offensive lineman that we think that he can be, or that some people think that he can be, I guess, because he, he's a polarizing topic in his own right. Um, if he can be kind of have that mean streak that people thought he had, I think that's going to really bolster the offensive line. And, especially in the run game, because that that was really their issue. They were good in pass blocking, but bad with the run blocking. And that's where the running game fell off. It's not because, in my opinion, the running backs did a bad job. It's because the offensive line didn't block as well as they should have. I expect that the running game is going to do better. So I would say my confidence going into the season is probably going to be, I would say, a I, it's tough to put a, an actual number on it, but I'm gonna say like a six point. We'll, we'll call it a six point five. So I'm, I'm more, going I decimal to go, points. Okay, I, you gotta go. You gotta go decimal <laughs> points because I think a seven, honestly, a seven in my opinion would be too confident because it, once you get to that level, like you're top. I mean, you, there's not much that you can actually grow on from that point. You're one of the better rushing teams in the league. So I think the bills are going to be good. I think they're going to be an average running team. It might not show up in the total yards, but what we care about or what we should care about more is efficiency. Um, and I think the bills are going to become a little bit more efficient in the running game. Cause that's something that Brian Dable and Sean McDermott have both talked about. They don't really, they've mentioned like, it's not necessarily about the number of touches. Cause I think one of them was asked that specifically, um, and they said it wasn't about the number of touches; it's about the effectiveness of each rushing touch. So I think with having having an offensive line, as long as they can stay healthy and they can kind of figure out who's gonna who's gonna lead the charge with the run blocking, because it's not gonna be Mitch Morse. Um, it, it's got to be one of the guards. We got to figure out what's going on with the right guard spot. But I think once they get that figured out, hopefully. I trust that it's going to be better than last year. Last year was a a odd year for the bills running game, because I think there was so much focus on getting Josh Allen really into rhythm and making sure that he's the guy to lead the team because it really all fell on his shoulders. Knowing that you can't just rely on that only to make a push in the playoffs. I think they're going to have to focus a little bit more on getting the running game involved early and often or early and better. So, I a 6.5 it's going to be better than last year but it's not going to be like this statistically great rushing game that like you would see from the Titans or anything like that. So I, I wouldn't expect monster numbers from anybody on the on the offense. Like I don't expect a 1000-yard season, but if we can get 600 yards a piece from uh Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, I'm I'm happy with that kind of production. 600 700 yards.
1: Yeah. I, I think there is some value, and it's a non-zero value, but I don't really know what it's worth. It, we can say that, well, our projected and five had you no know, games together last year, and I don't really know what the value of that. It's not going to make us go from one of the worst to middle of the pack. I don't know. But I am um, I feel like it got a little bit better on that left side with Ike Botkerberg over there. I know Cody Ford was there for a cup of coffee, and a lot of people are talking about him potentially taking that left guard spot where he'd been right guard and right tackle, you know, most of his career. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit worried about Cody Ford because I feel like if he doesn't have a good season, he could be next year's force lamp. So I don't know. There's a lot okay. of talent there on the interior. And so I'm, I, I'm not as uh, optimistic as you are. I think that I would probably go something like a five, but uh, I can't remember who it With was. It, it might be like a CTW Todd circle the wagons or it might've been believed, but they were talking about uh, the yards before contact and the bills running backs were like uh, bottom of the league. Like they were handing the ball and basically there's contact right there. There's a guy right in their face. So yeah, I don't know. I, it'd be nice. I, I last year, I felt like when I watched the game, I had no confidence for them to pick up anything on third and short on the ground at all, unless it was Josh Allen sweep or, you know, a dive Mm -hmm. or something, but um, you know, I wanted him to pass on every down and, I feel like if we're ever really going to get over that hump, we got to be able to at least feel confident in picking up a third and two or something.
3: Yeah. So I think part of that confidence is going to come from Zach Moss because Devin Singletary is not that third and two running back that like people would want a running back to be. Like he's just not built like that. That's not the style of running that he does unless you have, unless you're like spread everybody out wide and then let him do his thing that way. But if you need to just ground and pound for two, three yards, Devin Singletary is not the guy. So I think in that regard, that that kind of falls more on the shoulders of Zach Moss. And when he got rolling, like I I go back to the Steelers game and I know everybody's going to be like, Oh, it's just one game. So it doesn't really matter. But when he got rolling towards the end of the game, he was the one who put that game away before his injury. So, a guy like him getting going a little bit more, getting a feel for the NFL just in general. Cause like he really didn't have any prep. He stepped in with no preseason. He was just kind of thrown to the fire of here you go produce. And then he had an injury and then he came back and it, like, he never really got a chance to get going. So I think Zach Moss having a full off season where he's been around the team already and he knows the playbook because obviously like we still have the same offensive coordinator somehow, Um, Don't know how we lucked into it, but we do. So having Zach Moss know everything that he does from last year, having him be able to train with the team. And then my hope that the offensive line is going to progress even just a little bit, like not a ton, but I think even if you progress a little bit and you allow Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, both, like you said, a little bit more space before the first contact, I think that's going to do wonders for the for the running game in efficiency, not total yards, but efficiency.
1: Yeah, and that's all I really care about. Like, I I don't necessarily want to run more, but I'd like to be able to not just shove it up into nothing, like have somebody hand the ball off up the middle and have to break a tackle before you can even write the line of scrimmage. Maybe possibly Brita makes a team uh, some sweeps outside or something like that.
3: Yeah, I'm really interested to see how that running back three battle that's really, I mean, only between Matt and Antonio Williams. I'm really excited to see how that ends up playing out. The Bills end up deciding they want to go with that speed back or do they want to go with Antonio Williams, who is like the quote-unquote fan, I guess, favorite at the moment where like people really want to see what he could do after the Dolphins game. So I'm excited to see if they go for more of that all around running back again, or if they bring that extra speed element that they, the backfield just doesn't have.
1: You got, I know you guys are all in on Antonio Williams because you interviewed him, I think a few weeks ago. Um, I didn't know this all in would be
3: an overstatement and I like no disrespect to him whatsoever, but I'm definitely rooting for him. We'll put it that way. I, I wouldn't put my money all in on him making the roster, but I'm rooting for him to make the roster. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I didn't know this until I listened to you guys interview him, but I didn't realize he was a special teams player at uh, North Carolina, and he won an award mm-hmm. for it. So, yeah,
3: yeah, he won a couple.
1: Um, that's interesting. And you guys, I believe, maybe touched on it, but Tywan Jones is a fine special teams player, but he doesn't really do much else. Like, I think there was a time in his career where he would return some punts and kicks, but that doesn't seem to be his role anymore. So if he's just really being used as a gunner maybe that's his path to the roster.
3: I think it might be difficult to beat out Taiwan Jones as just a gunner, but I don't I don't know exactly how they would utilize Antonio Williams on special teams because I don't think he was a return man. I think it might have been more in coverage. So maybe it would be like kickoff coverage and maybe he's not a gunner because I'm not sure that Antonio Williams really has like the the true gunner speed that you need. Like you really love Sir Ron Neal as a gunner right now. And he, he, I don't know if he has that like four or three speed on paper, but on the field in a game, he has the speed to be a gunner. Taiwan Jones has kind of made a career out of that also. So it that'll be really interesting also. It kind of adds a different element to the, the whole discussion of that running back three spot because do you want that extra guy to be a potential kick returner with Matt Breda or maybe Antonio Williams ends up helping out in special teams elsewhere? There's there's a whole lot in play of like how the Bills running game could actually improve this year, whether it is the offensive line, whether it's Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, or whether it's that running back three position that just gives an extra added burst here and there. Like who knows how it's gonna change? It's there's a lot to pay attention to in training camp.
1: Yeah, that would be the path for I think the four favorites to make it is if somehow Antonio Williams could take that spot and and pick up the Taiwan uh, Jones role, because then mm-hmm. you could have Brita and you could have Moss and you could, you could have them all. And then that obviously means Taiwan Jones is out the door. I don't think it's out of the question, but it's probably not likely.
3: Yeah. that It's uh, definitely not something I'm going to put my money on for sure, but who who knows it, anything in the words of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. <laughs>
1: That wasn't a fortune cookie. I think (laughs) (laughs) I'm
3: going to steal it from him because if you hear anything is possible, I feel like everybody who knows that moment follows sports just in general. Like, you know, that clip of him winning the NBA finals and then he just crazy with anything is possible. So that's where I'm stick with Kevin Garnett said that. Okay. Kyle, you got anything else for me? Um, I, I, no, just, just keep pushing out the great content with all of these uh, hot seats. And uh, for anyone who wants to, make sure you tune into to Nap Nose Buffalo. Every single Friday, we are in podcast form on any platform, as well as over on YouTube if you would prefer to watch us talk, which if, if you want to see my face every single week, then me, Casey, when he's back on the show, and whatever guests we have, we will be available for you on YouTube as well
1: yeah I, I highly recommend that and Kyle I admit I never watch YouTube, but I do catch up with you guys on podcast form and I laugh out loud once or twice because Casey says something ridiculous hey, like every episode and it makes Casey, me laugh.
3: The, the way I've I've kind of described it is Casey adds an element to the show that I am not capable of adding. And it gives us that laugh out loud, funny moment, at least once a show, if not more. Yeah. Casey's, Casey's yeah, yeah. good for at least one of those.
1: Yeah. And he, he embraces it, but he also can, uh, he can get down to business too. Like he knows his stuff. So he, it's not yeah. just easily. Like, yeah. So Nap knows Buffalo Fridays, Buffalo fanatics. Kyle, thank you so much for taking a few minutes for me tonight.
3: I appreciate it, Vince.
1: Bill's Mafia last, but certainly not least on the Mafia hot seat this week. We have, we're blessed to have Anthony Marino over from Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. Anthony, how you doing?
4: Vince, man, it's great to be on with you. Uh, You know, it's that time in the off season, right? We're just inching closer to training camp. It'll be here before we know it, but it's always great to catch up with you, my friend.
1: I really appreciate that. Um, And if you're listening to me, you already know all about Anthony Marino and Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. But, Anthony, just in case somebody doesn't, why don't you tell them where you can find yourself?
4: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at anthmarino. And, of course, just head over to buffalorumblings.com. I've got different posts there each and every week. But, you know, in addition to myself, you know, there's just a great team over there, and you can find great Bill's content each and every day, similar to what you guys are doing at Built in Buffalo.
1: All right. So this is your second time in the hot seat. So you know the drill I have. I'm I'm a
4: wily veteran at this point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's only been a few people that are on the second, on the second round and you're one of them, but I have 10 questions in front of me. Number one and number five are off the board. Which one would you like? Let's do question number eight. Okay. I'm very optimistic about this season. We're bringing everybody back. Now, we lost John Brown, but we're replacing him with a similar caliber player in Emmanuel Sanders. I still feel like there's areas on the team that could use an upgrade, but nothing glaring. So you, Anthony Marino, have the magic power to take one player off from any other team and stick him on the bills. Who would you take and why? Oh my gosh, one player from any other team? Oh, this is exciting.
4: And you know what? I am. uh, There are people that are going to shoot me down. They're going to say, you know, you should you should take a cornerback or you should add somebody on the interior defensive line. My God, I really am on the hot seat here. Cause even as I'm saying (laughs) it, I'm I'm changing my mind as I go through with this. Um, At first I was going to say Travis Kelsey and you and I, we've talked before about my penchant for the tight end position, but if I'm taking one player off of any other team, how could I not take Aaron Donald, right? Who's arguably the best player in football absolutely just wreaks havoc from the interior defensive line you think of the struggles that the bills have had for not putting the pass rush on someone but just generating pressure it would have to be aaron donald and although in my heart right you guys know how much i love the tight end position and and what that can be Um, i think if the bills were to add aaron donald to the roster um Today, I would trade like, you know, the next five years first round draft picks to bring in Aaron Donald if uh, the Rams would be crazy (laughs) enough to take it. But that would that would have to be the answer for me. But, man, that is an interesting question, to say the least.
1: Next five first round draft picks. Anthony wants them. He wants them big time.
0: That was a question I posed
4: to somebody once. I was like, you know, and this was when the Bills were in quarterback purgatory right and it's funny because now he's certainly disgruntled but it was like aaron Rodgers, right the quarterback for the green bay packers and it was just like how many first round draft picks would you have to offer for the packers to say yes at the time right and this is when he was in good standing all of these pieces but it's like if you offered five first round draft picks like would they say no would they hang up on you like at what point would they have to listen and uh Gosh, for somebody like Aaron Donald, that would be an interesting conversation as well.
1: Yeah, uh, those were dark days when we were in quarterback purgatory. I probably would have done it happily. I'd been like, all right, here's five picks. You know, I I get it. It was Um, the worst. (laughs) Can you imagine if Aaron Donald was next to Ed Oliver? It would really improve every other area of that defense. We wouldn't have to be having so much conversation about Levi Wallace. Uh, Man, that... That feels good to think about.
4: <laughs> no, it would be, it would be something else. I mean, would that be the choice for you? I mean, not to put you on the hot seat, it's your show, but I mean, when you were to take a look at it, was there someone that you had in mind?
1: Yeah. My mind immediately goes to uh cornerback too. Okay. And it's somebody on the defense. I don't think I want anybody on the offense maybe. Uh, but yeah, Aaron Donald is probably my pick as well. I, I find it very hard to disagree with that.
4: But there's guys out there that are fun, right? When you think about a, a Derrick Henry, a Saquon Barkley, um, again, a, a Travis Kelsey type, right. That ju- When you think of the offensive side of the, of the ball, just cause you know, like offense is just, it's, it's exciting and you have that piece, but I don't see any way that I could, I could pick someone other than Aaron Donald, although adding those other guys to the mix would certainly, uh, certainly be exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the interior, uh, defensive line or even offensive line is they're. Usually, glamour positions like that—you don't always have your name called. But man, they can rake some havoc too. And yeah, just imagining him next to Ed Oliver would make the defensive line just have a completely new look. Like we're not even really worried about Rousseau needing development time, or can Eponenza take the next step? We just—we have Jerry Hughes, we have uh, Ed Oliver, and we have Aaron Donald. <laughs> You'd be that's, good. It would be really good.
4: Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome.
1: All right, Anthony, you have anything else for me?
4: No, man, just it's always great to catch up with the events. I mean, honestly, I appreciate the the work you do. You're always one of those positive voices of the Bills Mafia and I'm I'm glad I made it off the uh the hot seat unscathed today.
1: It's painless. It's painless, man. I'm telling you. Anthony Marino, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time. Uh, love the work, love the stuff you guys do over on the Buffalo Rumblings Network and the Breaking Buffalo Rumblings podcast. Uh, every single one of you guys over there on that network from top to bottom has treated me so well, and I appreciate it.
4: No, we appreciate you, man. Keep up everything you're doing, and let's do this again
1: sometime soon. All right. Enjoy the rest of your night. You too. Thank you, sir. Bills Mafia, that's it. That's all I have for you. You have made it through another episode somehow, some way. But uh, special thanks to Brother Bill, Kyle Knapps, and Anthony Marino. Love you guys. Thanks for coming on the show. We will talk to you all next week. Until then, please be kind to everybody around you and squeeze somebody close to you. Go Bills.
0: Attention, everyone. Hello. Uh, Yes, I just want you to know that uh, this is not my decision. But from here on out, we can
4: no longer be friends. And when we talk about things here, we must only discuss uh, work-associated things. And uh, you can consider this my retirement from comedy. And in the future, if I want to say something funny or witty or do an impression, I will no longer ever do any of those things.
3: Does that include that's what she said. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so
0: that's what she said. <laughs> Michael Michael Michael, please on. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode. Please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over
1: with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just
4: when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Alright, am
1: read the it that's
0: all folks